are back. You're listening to You Would Think, the Philadelphia Flyers podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Collington, and joining me today, he's back. Here he is. Kevin, how are you, buddy? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing all right. And I I said this to you right before the show. (laughs) The last show we did felt very very off-season. We're still talking about the roster and signings and trades and whatever, et cetera, et cetera. We're sitting here today, Sunday, uh, November tw- or September 26th. The show's going to go live shortly after we record it. And we are less than two days away from preseason hockey. You mean the fact, like, the fact that I have sheets of groups from yeah. practice? We have practice sheets. We have lines. Sheets. We have combos. We have yeah. We have the Derek Broussard line to talk about. We'll get there later. I, we're... Two and a half weeks from regular season hockey, but we're only two days away from the preseason opening. And right, and with that, we have training camp. And Kevin, you've been there, you know, covering the team with your role is from SportsTalkPhilly.com. Make sure to drop a follow. Talk to us. Talk to us about what you've seen at camp and what's maybe different from this year. You know, over some previous camps you've been to. Not a lot from the one previously under AV, to be honest. I mean, p- the pace is still everything. So I- I've seen the same pace. Now, when I went, I-, I only went Saturday and Sunday. Weekends are kind of where I can find the most time to go and actually check it on person. So I've gone Saturday and Sunday of this past weekend as camp opened up. And then Sunday for the rookie game during the end of rookie camp last weekend. That was kind of what I got. And of course, we'll get into that rookie game a little bit because of the fact that there is a piece of news that came out we of do that. We do have to talk about that. Yeah. And that's really the only thing to talk about from it. It was, a you know, the, the weekend rookie of rookie game. game. But, I mean, they played two rookie games over the weekend. It's nice to see competitive. And this is kind of where we are with camp right now, too. Like, Saturday was – I'm not going to sit here and tell you. Like, I don't want to scare people and go, it wasn't good. But that was their third day of practice. And the pace is down. You're not – at that level that you want to be at after three days. Like you, like the, you, the you gas know tank is empty, but the conditioning hasn't been built up yet a little bit, but here's the thing about it too. It's, it's, I don't remember how far into training camp during AV's first year that they actually incorporated scrimmages into things. If you tell these guys, we're going to scrimmage today, the energy level is boosted immediately. Oh yeah. These guys are but all these, competitive. So Sunday was a good day. You saw the competitive juices flowing a little bit. They're not being physical out there because you're no one uh, at this point in time. You're trying to get out of this with right. no one else getting hurt. But, but you're laughing with your teammates. You're building that. Chemistry. You're having fun. Yeah, and it's it, and it was good to see them you're get out. And, at the boys, and and I'll probably talk about it a little more as we kind of go through the course of the week of how the last week went. But we saw them. It was a unique structure to the scrimmage because you had guys play five on five throughout for most of it then they incorporated special teams into it on both sides so that both you got different looks at different units i'll have to go and look at some of my tweets from earlier to kind of give you the full lines of that because that was on full display pretty good pretty good start and all things considered like all things considered for where we thought that the units were going to be and what they actually are like we were pretty close on a lot of this to be honest like we had talked about this last or two weeks ago when we did the last show and we said, yes, it had an off-season feel, but we started to try to guess and go, okay, this is who's here. Nothing else is going to happen. Who's going to play where? What do the units and, look like? And we 
did pretty good, all things considered. So that it's good to see that you can tell that these guys are starting to get ready for. And it, I don't know who's like we don't know yet who's going to play on Tuesday night. Who's getting that preseason opener? I had, I mean, goalie wise, I have a guess, but I can't tell you specifically who's going to play and who's not among the rest of this team. I will say this, and I don't know if you got a chance to kind of look. I, I put it out there on Twitter, so I'm sure you would have seen it, like just by browsing through some of the stuff that was going on, seeing anybody else on Twitter. The group that practiced this morning in the special teams group looked like an NHL roster. Okay. So I feel like that's the group that we could see if nobody else surprises during games or if nothing else happens. That's, that's what very we have well in. I would say pencil this group in as your starting roster on October 15th, quite honestly, because especially given what we know. And I have uh, conveniently on the other side of that roster sheet all of the injury updates and things like that that have Which come in over the last into. little bit, and we will get into those. Yeah. But pace was really good on Sunday, a little slower, a little bit more sluggish on Saturday, but that was after two days where people were saying the pace is normal AV type stuff you know so i'll i'll take that i saw some good things we can dive into specifics you can kind of throw anything you want at me because you kind of are speaking from the side of well tell me from your expert opinion how they looked right like who do you like who do you not like it's etc you know what i mean so we'll kind of get into that i mean if we want to we can touch on the injuries first and then talk about guys who we know are going to play and and go because the injuries is really the only formal news we have and then i can tell you more about specific guys and Things, things have been said back and forth. You know, we've interviewed a couple of these guys. We've talked with AV a couple of days in a row now. Like, I'm definitely getting answers to things and kind of feeling, you know, feeling like we're getting more and more information to kind of process as we go through close to this first preseason game. So let's maybe dash into the injuries first and then. Right. If we're going to talk yeah. about the roster, if we're going to talk about what the team's going to look like on opening night, we have to talk about, unfortunately, who's not going to be there. And uh, I think Kevin Hayes is the biggest blow to the active lineup. Obviously, you know, he's the guy who's who's there as your second line center. And he's going to be, you know, the anchor in your top six. And losing him is the bigger blow. And we can touch on that in just a second. Uh, I think Wade Allison is the biggest shame. Because I think he had a run at, well, you know, he's the biggest. Uh, I'm disappointed because I think he had a chance to make a run at a spot. And it's tough to do that when you're not in the lineup and you're not, you don't have a chance to play. Here's, here's the thing about him. He didn't have the same, this, I'm going strictly off of the Saturday first. He didn't have the same rookie game that Morgan Frost had. Right. Morgan Frost had a rookie game on that Saturday, four points. I think about what Oscar Lindblom did before he got called up. Right. You know what I mean? Like it's that performance. You're so much better than the guys at this That's level. It. Right. So you're going to be there. And honestly, the other uh, I wasn't at any other day of rookie camp. I just saw Sunday in person. I watched the game on Saturday because the game on Saturday was for better or worse. However, you want to look at it as you're watching. I know there were some people who didn't really like it, but it was streamed. It just it wasn't, wasn't pretty, pretty. But but I got I got enough out of it to tell you, you know, combined with what I was seeing on Twitter from other beats and things like that, the video clips that were coming in. Let's just be he, real. It was presented like an OHL game. <laughs> oh, the, the, the stream was, yes. But I'm saying Wade Allison started to, like, there was, a, I don't remember which one of them tweeted. I think it might have been Jordan Hall who tweeted it out. The clip of him just firing away from standing, like, at the dot in, in front of a net, and he's just picking the corners the entire time. 12 shots, 
ping all over the place. Like it, it, you're hearing pings all over. Right. He's just picking his spots and firing away. And you, and as I'm watching that, I'm going, God, I want to see this guy in a preseason game so bad right now because I want to see how much is translated to playing against a legitimate NHL roster. Right. Because the end of last year, if anybody got a shot, even and look, Morgan Morgan Frost was hurt, so you can't go off of that. Right. But if anybody else got a shot to really show what he was capable of, that's the guy. He played more games than any other young player down the stretch and looked and great stayed in the lineup and looked good doing it. And On a team full of guys who looked like they didn't want to be there, Wade Allison always looked like he wanted to be there and, and looked like he belonged the there. And he knew the opportunity. That's the thing. Like he knew the opportunity. He, he took the ball kind of, and ran. And, and and he had every reason to believe he did personally. I think everybody else did too. He had every reason to believe he was the first guy who probably crossed over as you're trying to fill out that lineup and go, well, who gets, you know, if you had to fill a spot, who's getting the call among the younger guys? He was probably the first guy on the list. He's got to be. With how good he looked last year, he has to be your first call up from Lehigh Valley if he doesn't make the team off the rip. Well, no, that's what I mean. I had right. him as the guy who you go, he's going to make the team. Like, he's going to be, if one of them makes the team, he's going to make the team. And if there's not a spot, he's your first call up if something happens. And I didn't I didn't even feel that way. They, they had a vacancy somewhere, and most of us were just factoring him in already because we knew, we knew he had a dynamic that not everybody else had. He could shoot, and he's willing to shoot. And you saw all of that, and you're like, there's possibilities here with him. And I, I honestly, I don't want to sit there and put a number on it, but I knew that whatever his scoring number, I think he had four goals last at the end of last season in that 14-game stretch. Double digits was on the table for sure. And then how much higher can you go beyond that? He's got at that, that point, it comes of, down to where he's playing in the lineup. Right, but he's got that kind yeah. of touch. And you want, you wanted to see where, you know, even down to a day like today, if he was healthy, if he was able to play, you wanted to see when special teams rolled around, what role do you have him in now? Do you, yep. do you cycle him into that? Do you want him to play? Can you get you know, him on power gonna, play too? Right. And, and you started to wonder those things. And then it, it was just important. We didn't see it when it happened. It was in the corner that was kind of most out of our view from, from where we watch at the practice facility. So It was an awkward spot. And not only that, but when you're following the play, it was like when um, you know Tanner Lazinski we interviewed after that rookie game, and he turned around and even said, I was going the other way. So I didn't really see it. I had turned the other way as the play went. So we're following things up, and then we see behind us because we hear people yelling. We look back, and he's on his knees crawling to the bench trying to get off the ice. And for that split second, you're just hoping it was an edge, and then you realized it wasn't. And it was like, this is not good. And we saw the clip on the stream afterwards. You know, it just didn't look good. To be honest, I almost – Look, a high ankle sprain is really hard to put a timetable on. That's why he's out indefinitely. That's why AV turned around and said it's going to be a while. It could be, right. But at the same time, to be honest, I'm almost relieved a little bit that it's, okay, yes, it's going to be a little while, but I almost thought right then and there we were going to be looking at the years over. Yeah. I I honestly was worried that they were going to sit there and tell us, here comes the knee. Whenever your leg's involved, you just worry about the knee. And and it was the way like the way I saw his leg bend. I thought that was really what was hurting. And I'm like, just don't say it's an ACL. Just right. don't say it's that. And his season's over. And now he's got a year to recover. Like, just don't say that. So, I I get where you're coming from. I think that the like the biggest like it's almost a tie for which injury was the biggest disappointment because of the fact that if anybody needs to play for a pure sanity level, 
it's Kevin Hayes. Yeah. And it's like, what more can you throw at this guy? Like now he goes out and it's the it's two days, three days before you're going to start camp officially, and that's when he feels something, and they have to go in and that Tuesday morning you're having a surgery that you didn't plan to have and 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 listen listen i got asked a ton of times on twitter after the fact like didn't he have something done like why is this just being taken care of it's like no 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 he had something done and it happened again right that's what it is it's he didn't just sit there and and like wait i don't like he's not that type of person anyway and now and 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 he comes in on i guess it was friday when he did his press conference and between the fact that he's limping heavily because he just had surgery three days ago and he's also got to sit there and talk about his brother and right and he admitted it he's he was dreading the conversation but he knew he had to have it at some point in time and because it was gonna and he, and he wanted to in, in in fairness he the story was that he wanted to talk about it he wants to talk about his brother he wants to talk about how he's gonna honor his brother this season all that type of stuff and let's Fair be real enough. And let's be real. We were waiting for the first game or first couple games of the season. When and I'm not talking preseason games. I'm talking about when it matters. When the Wells Fargo Center is full. And but it, and he goes out and scores a goal that goes towards that regular season totals. And he's pointing to the sky or something oh, like yeah. that because hundred percent. You know, helmet off, full tears. You know, hundred percent. Right. And and you can see he's still hurting a lot. And and it was fully understandable. And I I wrote things like you know words like how courageous he was and how eloquent he was with the way he spoke about his brother and and the way he spoke about the help he's getting because he's he's rooming with Keith Yandel right now which should come as little surprise to anybody because little surprise. We, we know how like everybody who knows and has seen the two of them the way that they are knows how good of friends they are and it, it's it was really like we had Yandel spoke the same day l- later that afternoon the same day that Hayes spoke and Yandel turned around, and even cracked a joke, and goes, "What? Yeah, when when Kevin Hayes goes to a re- like finds a restaurant in the city, he just starts going there every night for dinner. And I'm having like, you got to show me more places. I'm gonna t- like, we got to branch out a little more. And that's like, like this is the way he is. He's he's got that type of personality, and 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 it's very. This is a good thing. This is a good way to transition over to some of the other stuff, though, because you sit there and go, this is what was missing a year ago. And we didn't have any way to know, right. kind of, you know." This is the way this team was two years ago, where you have guys who are kind of jabbing each other, having a lot of fun. By the way, Keith Yandel mentioned he also used to ref. So that's funny. You got two guys. You got two guys who used to ref. That's funny. But we 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 have expected them to ref the uh, scrimmage on Sunday. Oh, that would be funny. But you you do have to feel for Kevin Hayes because when hockey is as big a part of your life as it is for him, you have to think that it's it's a therapy for you. And for him going through what he's going through and the fact that he's, I mean, still grieving and can't get on the ice and do what he loves and he's going to miss all the significant time. Your heart just breaks for the guy. It does. And here's, here's the thing with this. He asked specifically, most guys don't do this. Most guys don't rehab from an injury and be around the rest of the team. You're kind of on your own. You're you're in a bubble. You're on an island. You're just kind of you just focus on your own getting thing. better, right? And he's asked to be there. He wants to be in the room. He wants to be in all the meetings. He wants to be around. He was watching. I think Friday, Thursday or Friday after, whether it was after he did the interview or whether it was you know just in the middle of the day. He's standing right on the glass watching the practice. He's in. He's involved. And Av said that that's like you know 
that's the type a that's the type of guy he is but also he's he's welcomed that i want i want to see it i'm like happy that he wants to be involved i'm more than willing to let him be involved like it's great and it's great for him to do that because this is his therapy and it and it's definitely and he's you know let's put this way he very quickly kind of like you see how he's hurting when he talks about his brother but at the same time if you go to somebody else you start talking about your rooming with keith yandel his personality starts to come through a little bit more it's not completely back yet and there's a chance it might never be because that's just like he even said he'll he'll probably never be the same right and that's completely understandable absolutely but but you start to see like that little glimmer come through again where you're like yeah, okay you still have that in you and things and and yandel said as much too like they they're laughing a lot they're going out they're hanging out they're just joking around with each other trying it's, their it, best to be normal it sounds i mean if you're rooming with, if those two are rooming together in the way that Yandel described it, it sounds like college roommates. It just sounds like guys who just sit around at the end of the day and go, "I'm going to watch this." They were at the uh, on Instagram. They were at the Phillies game the other day, and it's of like they were. Uh, 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 but you see how the, these two are going to be goofballs, and that's great because I think that that's what keeps the room loose. They know how to be serious about the game when they need to, but they also know how to be goofy about it. I mean let's just say it's hard to not be serious about the game if you're somebody like Keith Yandel who hasn't missed a game in what 10 years forever 11 yeah. years forever Johnny come home <laughs> <laughs> listen every time I see these these two I just hey, it's just it's the Johnny Gaudreau tampering committee now here's the thing here's the thing about that though because Hayes even said like truthfully and like he goes I've heard people say it, it like that it's like I'm bringing my friends back here or whatever but he goes it's, it really isn't that way and it's like like and I'm sure that the process is no, I'm sure the process is more than that but at the same time it sure feels like between yourself as a player and your coach who coached a bunch of these guys with the Rangers well here's the thing it works in the NBA Get all your get all your friends together. It works it, it in the also, NBA. It also, here? it also at this if it was at this time of year, it also costs you twenty five to fifty thousand dollars if you publicly you know acknowledge it. You're not wrong. <laughs> uh, but all right, we do have one more injury to talk about here. Um, probably one that's a little less likely to affect the opening night roster. Anyway, at, at the beginning, yes, uh, uh, it, it will in the long run. But yeah, but you mentioned. You know, guys who need to play, and Sam Moran, if anybody needs time on the ice, hockey, it's Sam Moran. And and this is actually one of the weirder stories of the week. Yeah. Uh, so the timeline here, uh, news breaks. I'm not actually sure who had it first. Uh, if you do, please feel free to uh, chime in. But uh, I will fill in your details. But news you breaks that Sam Moran has a long-term knee injury, and it significant time and we hear all these terrible rumors and everyone thinks not again like Sam Moran has had just missed so many years of his career a couple hours later a strange tweet emerges from none other than Flyers legend Riley Cote and Riley Cote tweets out a screenshot it's a conversation with allegedly Sam Moran And I know that because it says Sam Moran in the little iPhone contact. And that's all we know. And this conversation states, in this conversation, Sam states that his knee is fine and he doesn't know what this story is about. And he's getting a whole bunch of text messages, but no, his knee's fine. What's, I don't know what you're talking about. Okay. So maybe he's not hurt. Okay. Whatever. 
wrong information gets leaked all the time. Right. Next day, two days later, I'm not exactly sure on the timeline here, uh, the Flyers released their training camp roster, and on it are the injuries. And listed in the injuries is Sam Moran, six to eight weeks with a knee injury. Mm-hmm. Kevin, what's going on here? Okay, so I'll I'll fill in the gaps for you a little bit. Because <laughs> this is a very strange story. And you have most of it right. Okay, right. So first, we're not talking about this enough. Okay. So the first person who has it, by the way, is Anthony Sanfilippo crossing broad. Okay. Now, I, I thought I, I might clar- have seen that that was him. Now, I, I will clarify. Anthony was not at Pract or at the rookie game on Sunday. So he's not at the training facility, as we're, and, and a bunch of us are. Right. As we're getting ready to watch this rookie game. And, and listen, I'm not, that's not a knock, by the way, because these rookie games can mean nothing. Fair enough. Things. Like, we sit there and do this because people are hungry for it. Like, people eat this stuff up. Absolutely. Hey, hey, there's a rookie game. Somebody's going to score a goal. Oh, my God. It's great. You know, right? And in the grand scheme of things, it means nothing because until you put them out there against t- tougher competition, you don't know anything. Like, we can't sit here and act like we know that Morgan Frost is going to be better until we see him against take your pick against who they play. The Islanders, they're playing the Capitals, they're playing the Bruins. Take your pick and then start to put them up against somebody legit, right? Hey, look, the three Zidane Chara teams. Yeah, right. I didn't think about that. That's interesting. You're right. Yeah, you just threw um, those out there. <laughs> but anyway, so so this comes out, and a bunch of us at this point, this is 4.30, and the rookie game is starting at 5. So we're all seeing this, and we're all in the same place. I don't think I've ever experienced anything really like this. where I, A room full of uh, beat writers getting scooped all at the same time? <laughs> well, yeah, I hear you, but at the same time, like... That are like here comes a report. It's very, it's not that it's very offbeat, but it's like okay, this is something that's clearly separate from everything else because it doesn't involve the rookie game, the game itself that we're right. there to watch, involve a player who we've been watching for the last week, you know that they haven't even started yet. Now, now full full disclosure, to that point, I, more than what would we say, ninety percent of the team was skating on the side during all of these rookie camp sessions right so, most most guys came back so yeah i mean like these guys have been skating leisurely if you will and just working out on their own as a group for two weeks roughly and some guys have come back sooner than others but mostly in that timeline right and you do love to see that that most of the team was back oh, they were the time training camp rolled around that next little heading that i have that's going to pop up that's where that comes from because these 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 guys came ready to go and wanting to get on the ice as soon as possible. So this report comes out, and uh, and look, a lot of us kind of just, it wasn't a matter of like not believing it right away. We all kind of believed it, but we all we all took it to the extreme. We all went, here, it's, it, it says significant knee injury, it's another ACL. Traumatic, and, it's going to be, and it, the year's done. Right. And at what point, and, and, well, the year's done, and at what point do you sit there and say, this is the third time it's happened, it, I, it's over. You know, at what point do you say that? So we watched the whole game goes by, all that type of stuff. And then, then it was the next day. Now, it's a few hours later. So it's before it's within 24 hours. Here comes the, the tweet with the text between Riley Cote and Sam Moran. And Moran says, I'm just a little bit banged up. No big deal. And again, we kind of sit there and go, huh, that's interesting. What's Maybe going he's on got here. And I don't think anybody was denying he's hurt. I think right. what, what it was is. Oh, maybe it's not as bad as we thought. Maybe it's like a couple of days kind of thing. Because by that point, 
there was confirmation that he was going to miss the start of training camp. But what's missed the start of training camp? He's not going to be out there for the first weekend, maybe a week. Right, that could mean anything. Yeah. Like, all right, that we that talk is. about practice. But at the same time, that is okay. My knee's a little banged up. Nothing to be worried about, though. All yeah. right, a week. It's day to day, whatever, and you're taking it easy on a guy because you don't need anything further than that on him. And he's probably like, like we acknowledge, he's probably your seventh defenseman. So you don't need to go crazy. Or your thirteenth forward. No, he's no longer a forward. Okay. That, that experiment's over. over. Yes, okay. I got asked. I got asked that on the station too, and I'm like, no, no, no. He's definitely a defenseman from here on out. He is no longer a forward. Um, so, so we go through that process, and basically, we're waiting. And and here was the thing: we got word that day, I think that Monday, that Elaine Vigneault is going to speak on Tuesday. This is your entryway into training camp with the coach. Here's where the updates should be coming from eventually. Now, I didn't think we were going to get the roster right at the moment he was supposed to get ready to go to the microphone. Right. They did I, just oh, drop that. But that's where the news came out. And, and listen, it like Sam Moran almost got lucky that his six to eight weeks was overshadowed by Kevin Hayes six to eight weeks. Yep. And that and actually, quite frankly, that that Wade Allison's injury was another topic of conversation because of the fact that at that point in time, it's two forwards that we're probably going to be in the top 12, may probably the top nine versus a guy who's somewhere between your seventh and ninth defenseman right. on your, your depth chart. Right now, of course there was still, there, there were also moments of contention where it was like, listen, Riley Cote downplayed the thing a little bit going like, look, this is what I got. It was all fake news. I, I was going to say, then, I believe the tweet was fake news. <laughs> Right. And then, well, and then, listen, listen, there was a lot of stuff to be discussed about that because not only was it, well, so here's Riley Cote putting it out there. And look, I, I did, I've, look, I have no doubt he has connections with these players. He was an assistant coach with the Phantoms. He's got connections to these guys. And he coached Moran for a couple has, of those. I was gonna say, has Moran been around long enough that him and Cote would have overlapped at all? As coach player, absolutely. Oh, but not, not while Cote was still playing? Okay. No, I wouldn't say so. But I don't remember how long his career ended up going. So, okay. Not to the point where when because uh, not to the point where Moran was actually pro in Lehigh Valley, right? Right, like Moran was actually drafted. Oh, I'm sorry, were they still in Glen Falls? Yeah, was I say Moran was drafted during the Adirondack years? Oh, the Adirondack, right? So that I, I, mean, I remember the Adirondack Phantoms. Yeah, that was. I hear you there. It's uh, the Lehigh Valley Phantoms is much more apropos to this team. I still miss, you know, Flex and the Philadelphia Phantoms, but that's just. Oh, me. I mean, look, I, I I liked when they were across the street. That was great, but like, I'll take I'll take Allentown. A lot of a lot of this, you know. I miss the Spectrum. Uh, yeah, I hear you. Um, but anyway, so back to back to Moran again with this. So so now we don't know what to think because first of all, we're sitting there going sitting there going two things. One, it was most certainly not fake news, and two. But that that is significant. So like the fact that we were sitting there going like one, the player says just banged up a little. And the original report was it's a significant injury. Significant is is very subjective here. Like it's how you define significant. Now, to I agree with a lot of what was out there. Significant to me definitely is it falls on like a six to eight week injury falls under the umbrella of significant. But compared to what Sam Moran's gone through, it's nothing. It's, He's just a little banged up. Well, maybe, but it's it's less significant than a full season injury. Absolutely, it's also it's also slightly less significant when you consider that the surgery happened on the tenth. So we're not even finding out about it for almost ten days. 
10, 11 days, something like that. So you go like at that point, then you sit there and you go, okay, he's already a week, almost two weeks into this six to eight week recovery. So realistically, he's actually out for like a month. Right. And your training camp is three weeks. So what is he really missing a ton of time? Maybe. Hopefully. If if it's eight weeks, he's going to miss time. Sure. But if it's but if it's the six weeks and you had two weeks to already get there and then he's got to work his way back, you might only be worried about him beyond that first month of the season and then he's back. Where as he's you, your th- as, where he's your right. seventh defenseman anyway. Right. So he's not going to be in the lineup. Now you do still need to fill the void. And, and we'll also he's got to catch back up physically once he gets back. Right. And because he and hasn't look, had a training camp, and I'm sure exactly. he'll do another rehab stint in Lehigh Valley. Probably. You'll have to send him down for conditioning. You'll have to do all that stuff. I'm sure he's sick of making that drive down the turnpike. Well, <laughs> I'm sure he's sick of getting hurt, period. But. Well, I know, but I'm sure he's real sick of making that trip back, to that long 45 minutes back to Lehigh Valley. And so, and, and in the grand scheme of things, like, we'll leave this, we'll leave this for sure. banner up for, for a couple seconds as I go through the extended list that's now out because... There was more than just these three players, obviously. It's much less significant because of the fact that these were players that are either prospects or definitive minor league type guys. Like, like you're talking about guys like uh, Cooper Zek was in was on the rookie roster. He got hurt and won the rook in the first rookie game. It actually led to a fight later on in the game. Oh, Wade right. Allen fought later in the game because of that hit. Which, Good teammate. Which which didn't make the stream because it happened so early in the game and the stream wasn't live until about 30, 40 seconds in. So there you go. Um. OHL uh, game. Yeah, I hear you. Um, we already kind of knew about Zade Wisdom a little bit, but Zade Wisdom wasn't going to compete for an NHL spot yet. It's kind of the question with somebody like him is the same question as Tyson Forrester, where it's like, are they going to stay at the AHL level and be one phone call away from I hope so. making it? I, I For Forrester, I really hope so, because first of all, I think he, he doesn't need to play against OHL talent. He doesn't need to play against kids anymore. He needs to be playing with these AHL level type guys. He needs to play with vets. And he quite needs to honestly, get used to the size and speed. And 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 listen, no joke. He scored a goal in the scrimmage on Sunday, on top of having you know two goals in the rookie game on the one Saturday too. He's got an NHL level shot already. He's got it. And nice. when and when he uses it, it's noticeable. And you just got to see if he like what kind of time he needs. And I almost like. It's not. I I can't see it happening out of camp because he's too young. He's too green. He's just not. He's not there yet. But you'd love to see him run with an opportunity and almost be what they kind of want Wade Allison to be. Like you're not looking at Wade Allison to be much more than he's energy and he's offense. Right. He look. You want him to. You do want to have guys round their game to be better. But he's. But he's not coming in right away because he he shines defensively specifically. He's not coming in and being what Sean Couturier was at 20-something years old and then going, okay, now by the time he's 27, the offense will come around and you'll have a complete player. It's it's kind of the opposite. And and he's a winger anyway, so it doesn't make a difference. He's a winger. but And a lot of players tend to get better as they get older and they right. their, their hockey IQ gets better and they have a better game sense. But Forrester's really that type of guy that you can see making it because he's got – that kind of skill level he's got yeah he's got the hands and he's got the shot and he's going to be you know his skating is a little bit better it's still a work in progress it's coming along. Get me wrong and, but that's another reason why i'd like to see him at the ahl because i think the ahl challenges him to be a better skater 
If you're in the OHL, you if you're in the OHL, you can get by on this. You're walking by everybody. It doesn't matter. And he's gonna and if he goes to the OHL because that's the way it has to be, then he's going to have monster numbers this year. Oh yeah, he'll score fifty goals in thirty eight games or whatever. Like it'll. But be, if he's yeah. But if but if he's in the AHL for most of the year, even if that's where he caps out and he doesn't make it to the NHL yet, which he doesn't have to, right. he shouldn't have to. That would be really interesting to me to see what kind of full season numbers he puts up because he got hot at the end. Like he got hurt right away, then got back and kind of had to get his footing again. Then got hot, like like very really, hot, like incredibly hot, incredible hot streak for a guy who you're like he was just drafted in October. Right. He's and and he was playing played. with fifteen year olds last season. Right. <laughs> so, so those are guys who were on the initial list. And then over the last couple of days of training camp, uh, Ryan Fitzgerald, who's an AHL veteran type kind of guy, had had a lower body injury. We were actually supposed to speak with him on Saturday, and we never got him because he never practiced. So Fair. makes enough sense. And then on Saturday, we we had noticed uh, Tanner Lazinski was not on the ice. Period. And we were told, and we didn't really get a good clarification of this, but uh, AV said it was the other side which very vague. It doesn't necessarily mean like, is it a hip? What part of the side? Like, what did he do? If it's, if it is his other hip, that's kind of a rib. But if it was his hip, then it's what he was recovering from previously, which is not good news. So you go, all right. Like, and he was a guy who was going to compete for a possible spot because he had been there a little bit before. So that was the, he's got a couple of games under his belt. And then Linus Hogberg is the other one who he just, Oblique injury, it happened really early in his group's ice time, and he goes off and has an MRI. And again, not a guy who was going to factor into anything at the at the top level right away. No, but, but he uh, is a guy I could see eventually making right. the NHL squad, for the record. Sure. I mean, a, name I, I, a name I like in terms of keeping an eye on. Right. And so that's where you're, that's where you're at right now. You know what I mean? Like, you just need to and, – and that's where the injuries are for now. There was nothing – thank goodness there was nothing on Sunday that – happened and and look you need to kind of pick and choose your battles a little bit when it comes to injuries guys are going to get hurt and they fessed up to that already you don't want to see look you don't want to see um you don't want to see kevin hayes out no, and you don't definitely and, not. You, and you don't want to see wade allison not get a shot and you don't want to see Sam Moran battling another injury because you knew he was going to pretty much be that veteran stability guy who was waiting in the wings if when somebody on the top six defensively got hurt. But these other guys are a little bit lesser like that. And you know what? A goalie's not hurt. Knock on wood. You know, because we've all we've all said it. They've got the two. And then after that, it's a really young goaltending group. Yeah. Like, dangerously, dangerously. You don't want to go there. You don't want to go there at the NHL level yet. I do. Right. I will say, I think that this could be a really important year for a guy like Felix Sandstrom, who's been a pro for longer. Right. So you go, you're going to be probably, like, you're the number one guy. Go He's out the first there, call. You're the first call, but go out there at the AHL level. And really try to establish yourself as the as a guy who's ready to be waiting in the wings. I mean, let's put it this way. If he's good enough, they'll just use him next year potentially and yeah. not find him a Martin Jones type. That would be probably ideal from a an asset management standpoint. It would be ideal from a cap hit standpoint for sure. Because too. Because it would open up at least a million dollars, you know, easily. But and I think I think in an ideal world, that's kind of the, uh, the rainbow bridge uh, <laughs> result. 
in terms of what Chuck Fletcher did in signing Martin Jones for one year. Right. And we'll see. Well, sure. And that's what I like. Like, listen, we already are kind of sitting there saying as we watch this group. Martin Jones is probably more more or less more than likely a one year type of guy. Derek Broussard's that type of guy. I don't want to say that about Yandel because if Yandel really, if Yandel has success in the power play and can still be that guy, you might consider something. I I'm gonna go a step further. Okay. Because he has a couple of friends on the team. I think he's at the stage in his career where if he thinks he has a chance to win a cup, he'll stay here. Uh, see, and here's the thing, I'm not disagreeing with you. The same could be said about about Broussard. I agree. The key with Broussard is, how, what's he going to be? Because first of all, he'd have right. to contribute. He'd have to contribute enough as a player this year to make it worth bringing a guy like that back. As your three C, theoretically. I don't see that down the road though. Like I'm right. saying, he'd have to perform. Right. And then, what's his role going to be if somebody else steps up? Is he? Is he the 13 at that point? He might be. Because he's is that something he's willing to do, or does he think he still has it in the tank to go out there and get another job? And that's the interesting part, because he was kind of that with the Islanders, and then look where he was last season, though. He was in Arizona. He'll, he's going to have to weigh how much do you want to play versus how much do you want to go for a cup versus right. how much do you want to make. But there's no easy way to do this. Like right now, Derek Broussard's going to be a very big part of this team one way or another because he you has to be. Fold. Kevin Hayes is out. And, and Wade Allison's out. Like, there's two guys who you probably, like, like, let's go this way. We weren't even sure if Morgan Frost was making the team. Now, now he's pretty much a given. At least to start. So that's where you're at. He's probably a given. And what happens if he runs with the opportunity? Then what happens when these guys are healthy? To be yeah. fair, that's a good problem Kevin, to have. Let's not. It's a, it's a good problem to have, but, like, what I'm saying is, is that, Kevin Hayes is going back in the lineup. Yeah, but Morgan Frost is playing too good to be sent back down is not a bad problem to have. I hear you. Because at that point, you ship Nate Thompson as far away as he'll possibly go. Right. And you just make it work. And you just make it work. I'm I'm here. All right. I'm I'm okay. I'm gonna push. I'm gonna push to the next. uh, Okay. Bad, no banner, and I'll tell you why. Because you're gonna, you're not gonna like. I'm gonna burst your bubble, and a lot of the bubbles of people out there in the Flyers land. Nate Thompson has looked really good at camp. No, and that's fine. And that's I'm fine. I'm just Listen, pointing it out. No, and I am wishing the best for Nate Thompson because he plays for the hockey team that I enjoy cheering for and would like them to do well. Okay. I don't think that he has the ability or the conditioning, or whatever you want to call it, at this stage of his career, to be that contributing player for a very long time. Right. And if a situation arises where, even if Nate Thompson is playing well, if Morgan Frost is demanding the lineup spot... Nate Thompson is nothing. You cut him, you move on, you put him on waivers, and if he goes to Lehigh Valley, fine. If he gets claimed, fine. Whatever. You have Morgan Frost. But that doesn't mean I'm, that doesn't mean I'm wishing ill upon Nate Thompson. I, I, I want the guy to do well. I mean, he was not good for us a couple of years ago. That's all I'm basing it off of. I like his combination a lot better. I think... Look, here, here's where your concern is. Your concern is... Are they deep enough down the middle, especially now that Kevin Hayes is out? Right. It's it's that. They're plenty deep enough at wing. 
Honestly, they are. Right. Which is why Claude Giroux is probably just going to play 2C to start until Kevin Hayes is back, right? I don't think so. Well, I don't want to I don't want to rule it out, but that's not the lines I've got. Okay. That, right right now anyway. I'm saying the first couple preseason games, Claude Giroux is not a center. I'm just concerned about the depth down the middle and and the fact that sure. there isn't I know there's not another 2C, but this is the safety net that goes away when you get rid of Nolan Patrick. Because at least, okay, Nolan Patrick had the capability, we didn't see it very often, but he had the capability to, when given ice time, perform very well. Right? We saw him step up in big moments. We saw him take some ice time and run with it on occasion. The problem is it didn't always last very long. I don't remember a game beyond January last year where he really stood out. Oh, not last year. No, no, no. I'm talking pre, uh, pre-migraine pre season. Um, right, I'm talking about I'm... Nolan Patrick, the player, not necessarily the current product. <laughs> um, but either way, you had a guy who was a top pick, was a superstar in juniors. He knows how to play top six hockey. Yeah. And again, most of his play was bottom six hockey, which is why he's in Vegas now. But he had that star power to go out there and play with very talented wingers and not be embarrassing. And looking at the current roster, there's not somebody that I really am happy with as your second line center with Kevin Hayes missing as much time as he is. And it seems a little light down the middle if unless you're moving Claude Giroux over. And I get that because here okay, and here's why you're saying that. Because they don't have another player who physically is like Kevin Hayes at no. at that center. It's not gonna be Derek Broussard, it's not gonna be Giroux, it's not gonna be Lawton, it's not gonna be anybody like that. It's not gonna be you a guy like Frost. It's, it's definitely not gonna and no. look. And look. We did an interview with Morgan Frost after the rookie game on the previous Sunday. He looks bigger. He's definitely bulked up a little bit. Good for him. He's still not. I don't know that he's, he's going to be six five. Player. He's not six five. He's also he's also not Cam Atkinson either. Oh well, well, right. That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just uh, pointing stuff out. I mean, that, what do you want from me? Uh, <laughs> how, about, how about we get into some of these lines then? Because all right, so yeah, let's see that. Back, in, uh, back to Nate Thompson for a minute. <laughs> I can't believe we're talking this much about Nate Thompson this yeah, early. Me neither. We haven't even talked about the top line yet. We're talking about Nate Thompson. No, I like their fourth line right now, to be honest, because it's it's Nate Thompson with Scott Lawton and Nick Kubel on the wing. That's a perfectly adequate fourth line. Yeah, I've never, ever, ever, ever liked Nicholas Kubel. He's well, just never really done it for me. That's fair. And I'm not going to tell you you should have or whatever. I'm just saying. I've, like, just seen too, I've just seen too many mediocre bottom six forwards come and go. Like, I I've, I just can't. I can't get riled up about another. Right now cousins. he's in it. I was like, right now he's in your, he's in the same category as Chris Vandevelde. Yeah. Nick Cousins. Pierre-Edward Belmar. Like, I think Belmar ended up being a better player than we all gave him credit for, though. That's the thing. Like, well, was he a better on, player than we gave him credit for, or was or Vegas did he just, just go to better teams? Right, or did he go? Did he go to a very good team and play with 
a team full of guys who all had their career years in season one. Fair enough. <laughs> hey, real, real quick, I saw something thrown out, just hypothetical. Okay. What do you think happens yeah. first? Okay. Vegas wins a cup or starts their rebuild? Ooh, wow. Yeah. And I'd probably say win a cup, though, because they've built it the right way so far that, like, it's they've almost actively like the roster they have now is nothing close to the roster they had at the start. Oh yeah, don't you if know? you get traded to Vegas, don't buy rent. Right, because it's they very much know how to retool in the middle of being a contender. It's really interesting how they put it together. So I think that they. I'm worried about a lack of youth. Eh, I, whatever. They got no one Patrick out there. What do you mean? <laughs> yeah, who's probably going to be what their second or third line center? <laughs> There's a possibility he could be one or two. Like a one or two. He probably, probably won't yeah. be one because Chandler Stevenson has played good enough that I think he's probably earned that for the right, time. Can being. you imagine if he's hurt again? And Nolan Patrick could and very Nolan well. One. I told you, it's it might not happen this year. It might take a couple of years to come to fruition. They might have the best. Nolan Patrick's going to score forty for them at some point. Oh my goodness! Don't it's, start. It's going to happen. Don't start with this. Look, the, uh, seriously, they might have the best winger collection in the league. Yeah, but they really don't like Chandler Stevenson's their number one. Think yeah. about that. We talked about the to... Flyers being a little weak down the middle. And, and the shame is, is I don't want to downplay that because as soon as he was out, they looked like a totally different team in the playoffs. Oh yeah, and they he, he when he got hurt or when he wasn't in the lineup, right. they, they were a dumpster fire. So he's. Be, I'm not trying to say he's a bad player. It's just that he's not the first name that you think of when you think about putting centers on, you know, top line centers. If you're fantasy drafting all the centers in the NHL, how far down the list do you have to go before you're picking Chandler Stevenson? Probably pretty far. Yeah. All right. So go. So go ahead, because I'm sure you had you have questions regarding the lineup or where this guy is or what I think of said guy after watching him in person for a couple times and stuff well, why, like that. Why don't we just start simple? Uh, we'll break it okay. into two groups here. Give me the top six. We'll talk about them. And then give me the bottom six. Okay, we'll fine. talk about them. Okay, well, hold on a second. I just said, okay, fine. And then I'm realizing in the back of my mind, I'm going, I don't know that I can. And I'll tell you why. I can't really distinguish second and third line completely. Okay. That's why. That's well, you my know what? You know what? Then let's talk about the top. And we'll talk about those two lines, and then we'll talk about the bottom. There's, there's not much to talk about with the top because the top is a very expected group. It's Claude Giroux on the left, Sean Couturier is down the middle, and Travis Konechny on the right. And Sounds about right. Next, let's go to the middle groups. Well, uh, hold on. I do I do want to for, – for for the listeners and fans out there, I do want to sit there and say something that should be an encouraging sign early on, at least by my view. Travis Konechny has a lot more jump in these practices and that's good and to I, see and i remember him having last year like it that feels like fantastic this he feels like a guy to me that took a long look at what chuck fletcher did in the offseason and kind of thinks it, next it might be me if it, it like i survived this he has to think that and if i don't get back to the guy i was it could be me next with the season travis connectney had last year the seat's got to be getting a little warm but he looks faster already so far. Good. He looks he looks energized. He looks fast. I, I really am encouraged by it. And, and, you know. And, I assume Charlie, we're just still seeing Sean Couturier just absolutely defecate excellence. 
Char- Charlie O'Connor tweeted during the scrimmage today that Claudio and Sean Couturier were the best two players in the scrimmage, like you would expect them to be. You're right. Like, is it because they're I'm the best two forwards on your team? Right now, probably. Right. Is it is it because Sean Couturier is probably a top ten center in the league? Yes, it is. Right. Maybe, maybe there's an argument for top five. Oh, I, I don't know about that completely. I, I said maybe, and that's assuming Leon drives out as a wing. <laughs> okay, that's fair. I'll give you that one. Um, but in all seriousness, like they look really good, and they look like at this point in time, I've got nothing on that 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 line. I, I, at this point, whatever preseason game you decide to put them in, put them in, and then we'll talk because right. I've got I've got nothing for you out of drills. They look good in drills, but everybody's going to look good in drills at some point. It's drills. Give me, right. give me a game. They've been doing and, them since they were three. Right, and I uh, then I'll then I'll look into it. But early signs are they look good so far, and we need to see it collectively in a game. Let's go to the middle. I was gonna say let's talk about this middle six uh, quagmire here because uh, you did me- you know what? Let's just briefly you you did mention the fourth line. You said it was Thompson, Lawton, and Obeykubel, correct? Right, and I mean, look, there's interchangeable. It's a fourth inter- line. No, no, but I'm saying like there's interchangeable parts with it because they're typically split up. Today was the first day that we really got a look at a couple of guys who like collectively when they were put together like i said this looks like a roster that would play on a game and they're all out there and that makes a lot of sense and i think that that's probably the line that you're gonna see as a fourth line type and i don't think there's anything wrong with that in the beginning to start with i mean you're not gonna i can't think of a younger player right now who demands to be up at the moment. If Lazinski's hurt, if Allison's not able to play, if Frost is already going to get his shot playing in a much more significant role, then who's left? And and you're talking about in that Obey Kubel spot, right? Because we, we pretty much have Thompson penciled in as the third, fourth line center, and then Law- Scott Lawton's not the one coming out of the lineup there. Right. Well, and here's the thing. If I go look to the other side, for example, to the other group that was kind of more the Phantoms group, if you will. Right. Like, I, I know Jackson Cates made his NHL debut last year, but I think he needs the time in the minor. Some, some seasoning. You know, guys like that. I th- you know I found it interesting that of the two players from maybe a minor league level type group that made it over kind of as the extra two forwards of that group were Connor Bunneman and German Rubsov because it's like that's an interesting choice. That's an interesting two guys. Yeah, because we, we, we haven't. We haven't seen a lot out of German Rubitsov, and he comes in as a he high a, pick. He had a nice goal off the rush in the scrimmage, though. I, but it's a guy you start to wonder. We saw all that talent. He was drafted. I believe he was drafted in the first round, correct? 22nd overall. Yeah. Right. And obviously, this you know, the scouts aren't stupid. The guy didn't forget how to play hockey after they drafted him. I wonder if it took a couple years for him to kind of adjust and – we're kind of starting to see that first round talent come back. You know, that's always what you hope out of these guys when you see a little bit of a push two or three years down that little developmental line. But maybe you never know. I feel like I need to go through and start to like put check marks next to the first round guys because let's just like, it's a lot of them. Well, they already traded a second overall pick this off season. Yep. And quite frankly, there's a first round pick on, uh, on this roster sheet. That's, going to probably get a shot at the NHL level at some point, probably this season. And he did last season, but he's not, uh, to me, he's not quite there yet. He's not standing out enough. Cam York will get a shot later on. Like, like that's the guy I'm talking about, but right. he's not there yet. So he, no, it's, right it's now, not Jay O'Brien. 
<laughs> no, but don't give up on him because I know I'm not. He's still going to be a college level player, and that's fine. Let, let that be what it'll be. There's and, a lot going on with Jay O'Brien. I, he'll be found money if if he ever turns into anything, as far as I'm and concerned. And it's interesting because we just talked about Forrester, you know, like and Forrester's that guy too. Yep. Recent first round pick, a guy who you definitely can bank on being a, a player who you hope to have. And 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 they've got guys like that, like like we've watched them skate. Um, Samu even, Tumala. even going up to like Scott Lawton was a first round pick. Right, but now now I'm, I'm into this past draft because yeah, yeah, Samu yeah. Tuamala was a, he was picked second round, but they're picking him because he he's not he's not the same type of draft pick that they've made for the last five years. Where think about what they've said about every first over first overall first round pick that they've made in the last little bit. Nolan Patrick probably included in this, even though he was kind of an obvious pick, right? Or seemed like an obvious pick. Joel Farabee, Cam York, guys like that, right? What have we all said about them? Or what have they come out and told us about them? Oh, their hockey sense is off the charts with with this kind of guy. And they really haven't drafted just the skill guy, the guy who's the first rounder who you go, he's going to score 40. Samu Tuamala could be a first-round talent who nobody knew a whole hell of a lot about because nobody played last year or not didn't play a lot made it through to the second round, and they turned around and they said, let's go and get him. Yeah, I'm pretty sure every scout, when they go to renegotiate their next contract, yeah. if the team tries to pull up a 2021 draft pick, the scout's going to be like, whoa, 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 whoa. Sure. <laughs> you, you can't count that year against me. No, 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 no. And, because and, it was such a weird year. And he's not close to ready, let's be clear. Right, he's, he's a project. Better. It's, and it's not even just that he's a project. He's not going to play. He he wants to play at the AHL level this year. I don't think it's going to happen, but that's okay. He still doesn't need it to happen. And that like, but he's got the tools. Like you can see, he's got the tools, and he just needs to work on a few things. And he could be a good player for them down the road. But we're not here to talk about down the road. That's the thing. Like we're here right. to start talking about what's here now. So let's get back into kind of this group at the top of the middle six again. Yeah, let's talk about this middle six here before we uh, before we get out of here. Because honestly, there's really not a whole lot to talk about defensively, right? No, we're gonna we're gonna start going into defensively. Okay, I'll touch on the defense really quick for a reason. Yeah, you know, because the only two things I think we have left to really dive into are the middle six of the forward lines, and then touch briefly on the power play penalty kill groupings that we probably saw too. Yeah, we'll touch on some that special teams because that's significant. But, but we'll have a much better picture of that next week uh, because we'll have some preseason games to talk about as well. Sure, and and in fairness, I don't want to spend a ton of time on the power play and penalty kill because I just started running it on Sunday. Right. So like it was new. Small it's sample gotta size. Get, it's got to get into a game. Defensively, the, the the pairings were exactly what we said the entire offseason. Ellis Provorov. Provorov, Ellis, Sanheim, Ristolainen, Yandel, Braun. That sounds about Area. right. Yep. That's that's kind of about what you expect, and that's why there's really not a whole lot to talk about there. Because, again, like you said, as soon as they acquired Ryan Ellis and Rasmus Ristolainen, we all kind of went, oh, okay, so here's what the pairings are. Pretty much. Now here's the th- and now here's the thing about that. Not and this is I won't spend too much time on these guys, but I will say this. Again, not gonna say too much until we see them in a game. Ryan Ellis is steady. Very yeah. steady. Yeah. You, I'm, you, I'm supremely, supremely excited about that acquisition. You thought Matt you thought Matt Niskanen was steady, Eddie. Here comes Ryan Ellis. I think there's a real chance that you see the best Ivan Provorov you've ever seen this season. 
and they're trying to feed off of each other as best they can. And you can see how I, there is a little caveat when we get into the special teams, by the way. There's a little caveat I want to point out that I noticed at, at practice this morning that I think could be interesting for their power play. Okay. So we'll get into that in a second. Let's get back to the forwards yeah, for a moment. Yeah. We Let's really do this middle six thing. <laughs> so I don't know which one is line two or line three at the moment because the easy thing Kevin to Hayes say is right the big indicator. <laughs> well, right, but the easy thing to do would say is say if Morgan Frost is directly taking Kevin Hayes' place in the lineup, then line two is Morgan Frost centering James Van Riemsdyk and Joel Faraby. That's <laughs> I don't the hate easy that. Thing. Okay, I have one problem with it. Is it that Joel Farabee's going to get way more assists than goals because nope. JVR is going to tip them all in? <laughs> no. I have okay. one problem with it, and, and that is is that as I watched that line line up, offensively it's got potential. Farabee we know can score. JVR is a little slower than the rest of these guys. So you, you know where his points come from. It's He's not more the of a swiftest power play. line. But it's not even that with me. It's – if if when they do drills, they're – they, they'll be the attacking group first, and then they'll kind of peel back, and another group will come towards them, and they're defending. There's not a lot when I watch that trio that makes me say, oh, I'm afraid to go against this line. Yeah, they're not going to be a defensive line. But that's your problem because you you need to be defense first. That's and... what happens when you put JVR on a line with two – not rookies because Joel Farabee has a couple years at this point, but two young players. You're just not going to get the defense. You're just not. Right. Well, and, and here's the difference. I think that this is why I think this is the way that it is. I AV, almost like that as a third line. Here's, I agree, but here's, here's the thing about this. So AV has already talked about how he likes he likes Joel Farabee with James Van Riemsdyk because they had good chemistry last season at times. Not wrong because Farabee was your best forward production-wise. <laughs> and or JVR had and a J- bounce-back season. And JVR had a better five-on-five five season than a lot of people probably want to give him credit for because you either got exactly what you can expect or you got below average from almost everybody else. Yep. So put Kevin Hayes in Frost's place, and it's exponentially a better defensive line because oh, now because now there's the guy up the middle who gives you some of the stability. The wingers are not as heavily defensively responsible. And Still not the swiftest line, though. <laughs> it's not, but I like... But at that point, now I like their size better because Hayes brings more size. and that That's a physical line at that point. And not only that, but I believe, if I'm not mistaken, at times, that was a line that worked two years ago. Okay. They played those three together, and it worked because Hayes was effective defensively. Farabee was the guy with a little bit more of a motor than everybody else was. And Van Riemsdyk could kind of clean everything up if you wanted to. He was kind of a go-to-the-net, get-the-rebound type of guy, potentially. And you have you might have something there. And, he, and, if, and if he's as good of a five-on-five player as he was a season ago, even though he's not the best five-on-five guy, you might make it work. But I don't know if it's going to work with Morgan Frost, who is much smaller and is not as seasoned as a Kevin Hayes. That's my concern. Right. Now, do you want to get to this other line, which I think everybody's really eager to see in a game? Yeah, absolutely. So Derek Broussard and Cam Atkinson are together on a line, which should become you know, should be it. coming as no shock because they played in Columbus together. They are good friends. They and they already have a chemistry together. 
And now I want to bring up probably the most noticeable thing about training camp so far. And again, it's not a it's not a game. It's only four days. We talking about practice. Oscar Limblom, who AV pointed out without unprompted because he felt the need to mention it at the end of one of his press conferences that Oscar Limblom is still cancer free. Yep. And his conditioning testing is back to pre-cancer level. You love to see it. You love to see it. This looked like the Oscar Limblom we saw from October to December 2019. I think this is your second line. I think that there are pieces of this that are going to move around eventually. I agree, but I think on Friday, October 15th, when you take on the Vancouver Canucks in the Wells Fargo Center... You roll out your starting line, Couturier, Giroux, Konechny. Second line off your bench is this line right here. And it very well could be. Listen, Cam Atkinson and Derek Broussard on Sunday in particular, they're running a two-on-one drill. I think they scored four straight times. I feel so bad for the, the one, whoever it was. Just just getting danced. <laughs> and it wasn't even that. It's not, No, because it wasn't even getting danced. It was... There's Chemistry. nothing there. No, not even that, because sometimes it was Cam Atkinson skating up with it, and, oh, it's not there. I'm just going to shoot then. And he shoots, and he scores, because he's got that mindset. But, so, but, if, he's, but if he's able to feed Broussard and they score, they are acting like, oh, if this is old times. This is the buddy. want a playoff series? <laughs> a little bit. I mean, Yandel's doing that, too. These new guys are having a ball. Oh, this, this is the team. But this is what makes it feel different. This is the team that NHL Network wanted them to be when they did behind the glass two years ago. Um, a little bit. I I think that I think that when they did that, I think that they had the right team. Like they we saw this later in the year. Right. They it won just, a billion games in a row and were the hottest team in the league going into the, the shutdown. But we didn't see all like we weren't able to see all the personality. Right? But look, I you know what? I partially wonder if that has to do with making a trip like they did. It's a bonding experience, but at the same time, you're also prepping for a unique preseason. We've got to play a preseason exhibition game in Switzerland first before we go to Prague to play the first regular season game. It's all over the map. It's not your usual stuff. Right. So how about playing a game like playing now where it's your usual stuff? A bunch of time in a row on the ice regularly before you play in the preseason and we get a chance to see this. Now, by the way, speaking of Derek Broussard and Cam Atkinson, they are also on a power play unit together. I was going to say, is that is that your power play two center and winger? I don't know. And okay. I will tell you why. And I will tell you why I don't know. Okay. So, so power play one was pretty much as you would expect. Wait, let me let me see how many of these I can get. I have not seen these yet. Okay, so you have not seen what I tweeted this morning. I, I have not. Card. I apologize. No, it's not a big deal. I'm, I'm I'm happy if you want to play this guessing game. I, I haven't seen. I assume I this it. is four forwards and a defenseman. Is that correct? That is correct. Okay, so we have Sean Couturier. That is correct. We have Travis Konechny. That is correct. We have Claude Giroux. That is correct. Okay, we have Rasmus Ristolainen. No. Okay. Uh, is it is it Provorov running it? No. Okay, that's fine. I'll stop guessing defenseman now. <laughs> uh, last forward. You're, you're um, missing a very obvious one for power play purposes. Yeah. Uh, last one for forwards here. Um, 
Well, let me ask you this. Is it Joel Farabee? Because no. I want it to be Joel Farabee. It's not, but, okay. I'll t- uh, but I'll explain. Let me let me ask you this, okay? You've got three forwards so far. Right. Where? Okay. There were interchangeable parts about this, so I'm not going to say this is where they play, but where would you where would you a expect and b want Claude Giroux playing? I want him on the. I want him taking the one timer. So left side. Right. I want him okay. on that left half wall. So where then? Where is Sean Couturier going to play? In the middle. No. Okay. Is he on the right wall? He's on the right wall. Okay. Fair who do you think? Who do you think is down the middle then? God. It's not JVR, is it? No, JVR is the other forward who's playing net front. Konechny is your slot guy. Oh, okay. That's fair enough. He's your trigger man. Yep. He's kind of your trigger man in the middle. And then... I'm so I'm you, curious to see if Travis Konechny can take that responsibility and run with it. And I wouldn't mind also if Konechny played on the right wall anyway because he and does have... To, in the middle. Well, because Couturier has been there before and Konechny can control the puck enough to kind of set up that cycle where if you can give it to him where he's able to kind of curl and then snap so you, you can, can even work behind the net like that for sure a little bit yeah and um so you now you just need the defenseman well i've already guessed two so it's either ellis or uh or, or shanheim i'm gonna just go with ellis and say you put your best defenseman on power play one uh no you have a specialist his name is keith yandel oh really keith yandel on power play one Keith Yandel has okay. outstanding power play numbers. That was the most expected thing out of it. I was happy they did it. You know what? If he plays if he plays nine minutes a night and three and a half is on the power play, I'm pretty happy about that. He's not gonna play nine minutes a night, but if he plays twelve to thirteen and, and four Fair of them are power play, I'll take it. Fair you enough. You know what I mean? He's not playing penalty kill, I can tell you that. All right, so now now that you've got that, who's on unit two? All right. Um so I'm just gonna assume Broussard is centering. Um Broussard is kind of correct. Okay. Is he taking the draw and then that's it? No, he was rotating. So, okay. like, he's he's an option. All right. He's not a guy. So, Farabee's got to be there. Yep. Uh, Lindblom's got to be there. All right, there's a caveat no? on that. Well, no, there's a caveat. I'll get back to it. Okay. Uh, is this where you have Provorov? Provrov is part of it. Okay. Is there two defensemen? Yes. Okay. And it's Risto? No. Really? Sandheim? No. Ellis? Yes. Okay, don't say Braun. No, it's not. I'm leaving if it's Braun. (laughs) (laughs) Guess that'll be the end of the show if that happened. Yeah. The show would be over. Yeah. (laughs) All right. I'll I'll, I'll stop the guessing game and I'll just give it to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Derek Broussard and Morgan Frost rotated for now, which is is fair, makes enough sense. Um, So they rotated and they were kind of the, I guess, the center slot kind of spot, if you will. Um, The one name you did not say among forwards that was out there is Cam Atkinson was on the right. Right, right, right. I honestly... I I need to see him in the the jersey first. I need to watch him play. I need... So how's this for a little bit interesting? And he did do this a couple of years ago, by the way. Joel Farabee was net front. I love that. I love that out of him. Now, here's the interesting part. Okay, so now you're sitting here and you said you were surprised that Oscar Lindblom was not on the power play. Right. That's because at the time they ran the drill, they were running penalty kill at the opposite end of the ice. And Oscar Lindblom was on the penalty kill unit. Uh, okay, they, so he might be they, there. When they played in the scrimmage, because... 
Oscar Limblom and James Van Riemsdyk were on opposite teams in the scrimmage. Okay. Limblom was playing net front on power play one. Okay. Oof. With, love with that. The, with the same guys. Love so that. so Giroux, Couturier, Konechny, Yandel, Limblom. I so enjoy got, I enjoy so, seeing that. So you've got to figure that some guys who get penalty kill time or power play time are going to be penalty kill. Like Cam Atkinson is a penalty kill guy as much as he is a power play guy. He he just wasn't playing penalty kill in this drill because you're using him in the power play drill. That's the only difference. Um, who else? So there there was a penalty kill unit of Scott Lawton and Nate Thompson. I did see during the scrimmage they were on power play during the drills, but during scrimmage, Drew and Couturier played as a duo on penalty kill. Pro Ravanellis played as a duo on a penalty kill unit. They're actually very, quite honestly, I think the one unit was Pro Ravanellis at the back and Limblom Atkinson at the front. And I even tweeted after I saw that and I said, that very well could be a game group. Don't be surprised if you see that. Um, I'm starting to get excited. I think, I'm trying to remember who else they had with, um, I think. So if it was Thompson, Thompson and Lawton were one. Limblom and Aubrey Kubel were killing penalties. Okay. Av said he, Av said he wants to be able to have Aubrey Kubel in that in that repertoire of penalty kill he's guys. But obviously, enough. he's got to be good enough among all these other guys. Among Limblom, Atkinson, when Hayes is back, Hayes is a penalty killer. Couturier, Giroux, when they need it. I mean, I think what they would love to do honestly is use Aubrey Kubel, who plays in that role as a penalty killer, and say Claude Giroux, you get two minutes off. Right. I think I think that's the ideal, and you probably or, pull Claude Giroux out in a tight third period game where you're up a goal and need to kill a penalty. You know, you let Claude or, take a shift, but or Claude Giroux, you take the face off and get the hell off the ice. Right. Yeah. yeah I mean, that, that would be absolutely ideal, and it's it really is insane to think that, like I said, game start in two days. And by the way, for other penalty kill guys, um, Sanheim and Braun were a pairing for one of the units. I don't know. I don't, sure. again, I, I don't know if that's going to hold firm because of the fact that pro. I imagine this is going to change over the preseason. Well, and pro Ravellis were down at the other end. And then in the scrimmage, we saw them on there anyway. Um, and then Ristolainen was on a pairing with Adam Clendenning, who is kind of the veteran minor league in between or kind of guy who right now, who right now for all intents and purposes without Sam Moran is your seven. Right. Cause, because he played as the seventh guy on that particular group. So, Call him your seven for now. So and he'll we'll be in the press box is. pending Sam Moran. Kind of. I mean, there's two. Yeah. There's another guy on the other side, Nick Sealer, who is a, another veteran type guy who could also be your seven. It's valid. If, if if Moran's not back for that road trip that they take to Western Canada right away after the four games at home, and I don't imagine he will be. He'll probably do a rehab stint. I would imagine. Right. So then one of those guys is going to go. But that's that's where it's at. So. So you had that kind of combination with it. I think that there is still moving parts to it, but I didn't hate that those groupings. We'll see what happens. We got to see them in games, obviously. And speaking of games, uh, last little topic we got here is the fact that in 48 hours, we have preseason hockey Tuesday evening. Uh, Kevin, anything? Is anything significant about the schedule? I mean, the preseason, the games themselves obviously don't matter. You know, we use them as a as a tool for evaluating some players in right. some game situations. But uh, what, what are you going to be watching this week in terms of these games? Like, what are you looking for? I'm watching very closely at the guys I mentioned in this one group because I want to – first of all, I want to see how long the combinations stick because you can roll with it. And, and AV's talked a lot about chemistry. 
right. and building good chemistry and things like that. And I actually asked him on Sunday about the Broussard Atkinson chemistry. They're two guys who are good friends, go back a long way, played together in Columbus. He, they, they've been together in every situation. They're on the same power play unit. They're, they'd probably kill penalties together, or possibly. I don't know about Broussard killing penalties, but they've played at five-on-five five together. When they're doing two-on-one drills, you've got them together in that. Like, and it works, obviously. Like, how long do you – like, not even how long are you sticking with that, but are, like I even asked, like, are you doing that with the intention of they've got a history that can lead to chemistry faster? Right. Absolutely. Like, like, how much can you do that with guys who have been together? And, and and you can't do it with everybody. There's no way to make Ryan Ellis feel more comfortable with blank guy over blank you guy. Can't you can't force know chemistry. Where, no, but what you can do is get a guy like Ryan Ellis, who is the consummate professional, who is hanging around with Ivan Provorov all the time, it seems like, according to AV. Good. And, and following each other's lead because he's learning a new system. Provorov's looking for stability. It seems like you're getting it. Who would you rather have Ivan Provorov playing with, Ryan Ellis or Andrew McDonald? I well, I've wanted a, a Ryan Ellis type on this team for a long time. I I hope Ryan Ellis plays on Tuesday because I want to see him in a Flyers jersey. I want to see him playing in a game, even though it's even though it's a preseason. Doesn't count. Doesn't matter. The stats disappear after you know the tenth or whatever. I want to see it. I will, and you want to know what I will tell you? I really hope. That for the most part, with obvious exceptions, I really hope that this one team that I have listed from the scrimmage today is the team that plays on Tuesday. And that okay. would be and that would be that in addition to obviously the scattering of phantoms type players in there, right. that, that we get a look at Konechny, Couturier, Giroux, and we get a look at Broussard, Atkinson, and Lindblom. And then defensively, you should get Provorov, Ellis, and Yandel Braun. Okay. And with the first preseason game being at home, I think you're pretty likely to see the fan favorites. And and I don't know, like we said, we don't know what the group is going to be just yet. We'll find out Tuesday morning, more than likely. Make sure to follow Kevin um, at Kevin underscore Durso on Twitter for those lines as we get them. At, well, here's the thing. As soon as I see the group, we'll go off of the lines from the practices because that'll be what it'll be, right. more than likely. Um, Goalie-wise, we do know the structure because AV did tell us that. So... Somebody who is going to make the NHL roster is starting on Tuesday night and playing two periods. So either Jones or Hart. Right. And somebody who is not is playing the third period. So Sandstrom or Urson or whoever's around. And I would say Sandstrom or Urson because yeah. Ustamenko has really strictly been playing with the the Phantoms. My, the minor league hour before the real guys get on the ice kind of group. He's Fair probably enough. think Redding for him, quite honestly. Valid. Okay, but like beyond that, the other two, yes, you've got it nailed. I, if I had to guess, I do not know the starting goalie as of this moment for Tuesday night. If I had to Hart guess, Erson. I think Carter Hart is your starter. I don't know about the backup. If if it follows the trend of the groups, it's Urson. But if it doesn't, like I could see you wanting to get Sandstrom right away. Fair I enough. could see it. And. After that, so after those first two preseason games, because you kind of asked me about the structure of the preseason a little bit too. Yeah. After those first two preseason games, to kind of give you an idea of how quickly things could move when it comes to where the roster goes. First of all, groups this group C, which they had a they had a group C that literally skates for an hour and has maybe seven players and a goalie. Ah. 
that group is no longer on the schedule as of the following Saturday. So, so they like know Friday, Saturday. It's not that they know they're getting cut. It's just that there's going to be enough cuts to start. I assume Phantoms camp starts around that time. Start condensing, yeah. And you're going to start practicing with, like, that group will start practicing with Ian LaPerriere on a regular basis in Lehigh and getting going and all that type of stuff. Um, that is, it makes a lot of sense then that they don't play another game like they play Tuesday, Thursday. And when Saturday just happens to roll around and you're now down to the game group and the non-game group that the Flyers are going to start rolling with, it's either Carter Hart or Martin Jones. Whole game. Love Last it. four games of the preseason. Love that, it. And I would not be surprised to tell, well, no, Carter Hart will get a road game because they have you a back to back. Although then maybe he won't because in the grand scheme of things, you could play him Saturday, Monday at home and say, Martin Jones, you got the last two. But I don't think they should do that. I actually think they I should agree. hold. I actually think they should hold Carter Hart for maybe Monday, Friday. OK, I like because that. because let's be real about this for him. He, he's going to start on October 15th. Yeah, right. We're very if surprised if he doesn't. <laughs> and if he's going to start on October 15th, I want him playing as close to that date as possible. I want him to look at the schedule and pick what games he wants to play. And in, and in fairness, if anything is tweeted out by anybody, myself or anybody else who's at training camp, about... You mean yourself, at Kevin underscore Derso? Yes, this is scrolling across <laughs> the bottom of the screen. Um, about, aside from, like, there was a goal in the scrimmage today that Hart probably wanted back. But other than that, like because that's a scrimmage that looks more like a competitive game, it, don't worry about the drills and the way that he may look in the drills. The drills are kind of designed to give the advantage to the skater because oh, yeah. it's, it's odd man rushes, it's one on, it's breakaway style type stuff. He's not supposed to be perfect in these spots. It's like warm ups. Yeah, they're all gonna get lit up. They they're supposed to. You're practicing offensive drills. <laughs> Let's put it this way: Martin Jones was getting lit up too, and I know what his numbers look like previously, but. You know, let's see how these preseason games look. And look, if they're losing preseason game, game situation, is a whole different animal. But if they're losing preseason games five to one with those guys playing the bulk of it and letting in goals, you got a problem. Correct. If you're playing competitive three, two games and they lose and, and maybe they maybe they're losing four two, or Urshan gets his, you know, lid blown off in the third period. Right. But and, and, and at the end of the day, you want to see what you want to see is I like in a preseason game. Like I said, for tomorrow or for Tuesday, I want to see Keith Yandel and Justin Braun play close to t like 19, 20 minutes as a second pair with a young group behind them because that's where I want to see what they have in the preseason. I'm not worried. Like in-game, I don't want to see them for more than 12, 13 minutes, but right. without it, go for it. Like play them as much as you feel like you can to get them in game shape. They need conditioning. They need to play in as many situations as they can. Like you got to do that. Well, and speaking of conditioning, we gotta we gotta get our fans conditioned <laughs> to the fact that we're gonna be back every week. Yes, we're gonna be back every week, including next Sunday. Now we talked about it a little bit before the show off the air, but uh, we're looking at it doing a little bit of a season preview two weeks from now on October tenth. Uh, but we'll be back next week to talk about these first couple of preseason games and any news, any cuts, any you know, God forbid, knock on wood injuries to talk about. <laughs> We'll be back I hope here. To, well, I hope not to, but if they happen, we'll be here to talk about them. And uh, in the meantime, make sure you're following Kevin on Twitter. I know I made a joke about it, but he is at Kevin underscore Derso. And hey, 
the season's coming back, so that means it's it's time to make sure you're following at Flyer Delphia and at Sports Talk PHL so you start getting the game updates. Time to start seeing player goal goal graphics again. I'm eager see, okay, here's the thing then. So I really would like it if if Yandel and Ristolot or and, and and Ellis and Atkinson and Brissard all maybe played in that first game so I can get some pictures to use. Just get the gra- so you can get your graphics in, done. In, 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 right. So uh, I can get a head start on this stuff. Because I am not using graphics during the preseason because I don't have no. half the team yet. Uh, but in, in addition to Twitter, make sure you're following the show wherever where you can subscribe, wherever podcasts are found. Uh, you can also find cover, coverage here on sportstalkphilly.com. Right. And uh, that's going to kick back. You know, it's kicking way back up now that we're getting close to the season. It's time to time yeah. to start doing game reviews again. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to. Let's see, because it'll be preview, recap and takeaways on uh, for Tuesday's game, because there actually is going to be legitimate takeaways to talk about. And I'm going to be doing probably fewer. I've been doing what I've been doing, the training camp updates kind of and whatever. There's going to be fewer of those because of the fact that now we're going to actually be able to really evaluate what we saw couple of home couple of home games before the next show that's going to be nice i get to and i get to go and i get to go back to whoops not maybe not the exact seat but i get to go back to my old digs in the press box the legitimate press box not not working from what literally looked like a tray table in the uh in the concourse no in the lounge across the on the other side i like Uh, i didn't care about the tables i i didn't mind the tables in the like in the lower bowl that was fine but Except, right, for, you know, well, except for the occasional possibly getting hit by a puck. I mean, well, that's I'm just much, part of the thrill of being there. I'm much. I'm ready to go back to the uh, my my spot and watch with everybody else where they normally do and, and enjoy Absolutely. it. Absolutely. And, and and I think that everybody else who listens is ready to watch an actual game. Absolutely, and I can't wait to hear all about the press box and how beautiful it is again uh, <laughs> on next week's show. So we'll be back uh, probably a little bit of a later upload, just like this one's going to be. But that's okay. Yeah, def- It'll be there by Monday morning. Yeah, definitely because of the fact that, um, again, same kind of thing. They'll have a unless something changes. I mean, there was a change to the schedule already, where they they're not practicing on Monday anymore, like they were going to originally. Yeah, so, we'll play it by ear. So if Sunday still happens, which I assume it will, unless they make cuts that day potentially and change it up like that, then yeah, the morning is gone because I'll be at the practice yeah. and then. But and then, regardless, we will have three games to talk about, and I'm very excited. So uh, I think that'll do it for today. I so will. Until next week, we'll have games to talk about. See ya.